0: You are tuned into the failing frequency I am Ethan and I've been told to tell you that I am not Mike although I'm not nobody nope. you are not Mike am I might be Mike We're all Mike in our own way but no Mike's not with us right now because we're, we're not talking Star Trek today we might get around I mean we'll probably talk about Star Trek at some point because that's just the kind of people that we are uh, no today on this very special inaugural Failing Frequency Supplemental, we will be discussing the seminal science fiction masterpiece that is Dune and the upcoming sequel to Denis Villeneuve's Dune, Dune Part 2. And joining me is Andy over from the Great Derelict. Uh, you've How are how you,
1: how you feeling being away from that giant derelict space station? Oh, I'm in the derelict still. So it, it's, it's why it's so echoey and kind of echoey. In here. There's, there's nothing here. It's, it's a wreck. It's a state. Oh. I'm, I'm I'm coming to you from one of the larger voids. I, I think this used to hold possibly a TARDIS. I don't know, but I, I'm I'm here to speak to you today. Sweet.
0: Right. Uh, let's get into it. Oh, actually, no,
1: before we get into it, I usually ask Mike, and I suppose we'll do the same thing for you. How are you doing? Yeah, well, I, I've been exhausted. I've been traveling, and I got back about a week ago, and my body clock has still not reset to UK time, so... I's exhausted, like all the time. It might be getting old, but I choose to believe it's jet lag. Fair enough, man. Where did you go? I went to Japan. I was in Japan for ten days. Sweet. You you were saying in the green room, you saw a giant robot. I I I saw a giant robot, a moving giant robot. I saw Godzilla. I saw two Godzillas. What's the plural of Godzilla? Uh, God-Zillam. Godzilla. Godzilla. Godzilla Podi. I don't know. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yes, I I saw I saw. So many wondrous things in Japan, highly recommend it. If you ever get the chance to go, you should definitely go to Japan. What's up, folks? You are tuned into The Failing Frequency. I am Ethan. And I've been told to tell you that I am not Mike. Although I'm not Mike. You are not Mike.
0: I might be Mike. We're all Mike in our own way. But no, Mike's not with us right now. Because we're we're not talking Star Trek today. We might get around. I mean, we'll probably talk about Star Trek at some point. Because that's just the kind of people that we are. Uh, No, today on this very special inaugural failing frequency supplemental we will be discussing the seminal science fiction masterpiece that is dune and the upcoming sequel to Denis Villeneuve's dune dune part two and joining me is Andy over from the great derelict uh you've how are how are you, how
1: you feeling being away from that giant derelict space station Oh, I'm in the derelict still. It's, it's why it's so echoey and kind of echoey in here. There's, there's nothing here. It's, it's a wreck. It's a state. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you from one of the larger voids. I, I think this used to hold possibly a TARDIS. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm here to speak to you today. Sweet.
0: Right. Uh, let's get into it. Oh, actually, no, before
1: we get into it, I usually ask Mike, and I suppose we'll do the same thing for you. How you do it? Yeah, well, I, I've been exhausted. I've been traveling, and I got back about a week ago, and my body clock has still not reset to UK time, so I is exhausted, like, all the time. It might be getting old, but I choose to believe it's jet lag. Fair enough, man. Where did you go? I went to Japan. I was in Japan for 10 days. Sweet. You you were saying in the green room you saw a giant robot. I, I, I saw a giant robot, a moving giant robot. I saw Godzilla. I saw two Godzilla's. What's the plural of Godzilla? Uh, Godzilla-m. Godzilla. Godzilla. Godzilla pody I don't know. Uh, yes, I, I saw I saw so many wondrous things in Japan. Highly recommend it if you ever get the chance to go. You definitely go to Japan. Sweet. Yeah, I mean I've always wanted to. Did you eat lots
0: of um, sweets that were absolutely filled with with all kinds of different
1: food colorings and shit? Uh, not so much of the sweets, but I did eat a lot of very very good food. Uh, some of which I have no idea what it was. Plus, you know, I I did bring back some waki as is tradition when one goes to Japan. Very autistic-friendly food is, Pocky. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. Um, right. Let's get into it. Let's talk Dune. Um, what first
0: du- question. Is it Dune? Well, that's actually going to be my first question. How do you pronounce it, Andy? I pronounce it as Dune. 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 I tr- I try to... I didn't lean- hear Dune. Dune. I try to lean towards the way
1: that I heard Javier Bardem pronounce it. Dune. To be further I have been reading and and following the world Dune since long before Javier Badem donned the still suit.
0: Mm. Well that was actually going to be my next thing. Uh, so like like what's what's your what's your experience with Dune with the with the with the franchise with the movies with the books like you know to go, about be and a computer
1: gun. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> you might know more about that than me. So, like, yeah, what's your relationship with Dune? Okay, so as as a child of the eighties, growing up then, I I was kind of tangentially exposed to Alan Smithy, uh, aka David Lynch's nineteen eighty four film Dune, which is a bit of a trip. It's definitely a mood piece. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. That's it he kind of kept, I mean that came out in nineteen eighty four, and you know, I think my dad had a VHS copy, and it was something. But you know, it would be on. I was tangentially well, but I didn't really know what it was. I just knew it was trippy and weird. But as someone who loved Star Wars, it was still science fiction. So I kind of put that on at the same time. The first time I kind of became really aware of Dune as something I was interested in was a computer game. It was uh, Dune 2, uh, which was a real-time strategy game. Now, again, you might be too young to remember this. Do, do, you, have, do you know of a game called Command & Conquer? Yes. Yes, my mother used to fucking love Command & Conquer. Oh, making me feel so old anyway i also used to love command and conquer but command and conquer was in effect a reskin of a game called dune 2 also made by westworld and in there you had to harvest resources a spice if you will send it to processors and build up your armies and all all that fun stuff and so that was like the uh, the early 90s was was playing a lot of that which was great and that kind of got me interested in Dune uh, initially. And then around 2000, uh, the Sci Fi Channel did a couple of miniseries. They did two. They did Dune, the miniseries, a three part miniseries, starring Alec Newman as Muad'Dib, as I recall, and uh, William Hurt as Duke Leto. And then they did a sequel called Children of Dune, which was actually an adaptation of the second and third books in the Dune Pantheon, Dune Messiah and children of dune and so yes i've i've loved Dune ever since then uh the music uh, especially from children of dune has always been a big part of mine i mean when i saw but daniel villeneuve one of my all-time favorite directors who made it not the possible, he made a sequel to Blade Runner. I can, like, some Blade Runner. and um you know when i heard he was going to be Dune, i was just like shut up and take my money and and hell yeah now we're here now we're here yeah um, yeah we certainly aren't that commanding conquer was a reskin of dune well, it's not a beast game but basically Westwood did. It was Dune Two. I never played the first one, but Dune Two was a very successful real-time strategy game, and a lot of what's in Command and Conquer was basically taken from Dune and and that carries over. So even a lot of the animations are kind of lifted wholesale from too, but westworld game so if you can find it on a good old games or something it's well worth checking out
0: is it is it set during the like in the films like are you because like you're a, you're a you're a general when you're when you're playing command and conquer so like are you are
1: you muadib I th- I, well, I think you're one of the houses, so you're either playing as a uh, representative of House Trade's or House Karina or uh, Harkonnen, and there was another one which I can't remember. And yeah, you're basically just trying to control Dune, because as we know, uh, Traebit the spice. Yeah. Was the universe. Cool. I want to I talk about my journey with Dune. It is
0: a long, long and arduous journey of trying to decode the film without reading not. the book. The original film. So I I grew up having watched have not so much watched it. I was born in nineteen ninety and like the film would just be on in the background. My dad thought it was great, my mum thought it was stupid. Uh, They are they're both hundred percent right. And and you know, throughout the years I tried to read Dune so many times, but as a as a person who lives with ADHD, I struggle to read in general. Not because I can't like decode the squiggles but because like you know i I was thinking about something else start reading it thinking about something else and and for a lot of people the first dune book can is somewhat incomprehensible because frank herbert does not hold your hand at all throughout throughout that story he, you just kind of get dropped into the the kind of this this neo- Space neo-feudalism and and there is contextual language being used that, that is not explained and you just kind of have to figure it out as you go. And so I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Then I listened to the audiobooks and I managed to read the first few Dune books in the time it takes for them to
1: be read out loud after years and years of trying. When you said but you did the, the audiobooks, so just, just for my own interest, are, are we talking just... Dune? Are we talking the entire saga? Are we talking the entire saga? How-, how, much do- I, uh, how much- How much
0: Dune have I consumed most of it? Including, and this is, like, we're gonna try and, and talk about Brian Herbert's books as little as possible,
1: because- Good, because I haven't read any of them, so- Fuck
0: off, <laughs> man. Fuck off Brian, no one cares! No one cares. Uh, they're, they're, oh, they're not good. I did accidentally skip one of brian herbert's dune books and didn't realize until part of the way through the book after it but that's fine because most of the first half of the final book in brian herbert's dune series is just exposition of the, of the book that uh, he just wrote so my recommendation if anyone decides to uh to tackle brian herbert's dune sequels is Skip the second to last one because he'll fill you in. Yeah, trash. Fuck off, Brian. No one gives a shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, my favorite book is God Emperor of Dune. It's fucking Oh, that's a tricky awesome. one. That is. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. I always describe it to people as like, like if if we take the story of Moadib, if we if we compare Dune to something like Star Wars, which obviously lifts heavily from
1: lots of Dune. In there, uh, I can't imagine what you're talking about. This uh, science fiction series set predominantly on a desert planet, uh, <laughs> in, involving a, a young boy who comes to turn with his near messianic status. I, I don't know what you mean. Oh no, no. Um, if we compare, if we compare Dune to Star Wars, hmm. you've got Wadi,
0: and the, I, I kind of compare him to Anakin Skywalker. He's being, you know, he's he's being altered. the jobs as well as being the claims of a population. D- going fucking nuts and becoming a dark overlord then he has you know a couple of twins one of them becomes a new messiah imagine if the force awakens it was about luke skywalker becoming the emperor and jabba the hut well i mean you don't have to imagine it you could just read it you just read it. You picture it. You could get. You could cut Luke Skywalker's face on a picture and just stick it on Jabba the Hut. Do a face Maneo. swap on. Get, Maneo. A, get a get a. <laughs> My et youtuber! My fetch me another Duncan. Kill it like the rest. Man, you you could fit so many Duncan's in this bad boy. And um, you say you mentioned Dune. Do you think Dune's the best book? To be fair. It is a fucking epic. It inspired- so, It inspired- It inspired- It inspired the rest of Dune, it inspired Star Wars, it inspired all kinds of shit. So let's- let's talk about that first- Let's talk about that first book, Dune. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the- the backdrop of Dune, the- the, the setting, and I'm not talking about the setting of the story itself, let's talk about the real world setting. Of Dune, Brian. Let's talk about Frank Herbert. I was gonna say Frank. Let's talk about Brian Herbert's dad. Yeah, uh, Frank Herbert, and and kind of the stuff that he was seeing in the world and what made him
1: want to to write Dune. Now, so uh, as I understand it, uh, Herbert was a reporter and he was doing uh, a report on the dunes in Oregon in okay. northwest of the US. And it, it, it was just talking about how these things, you know, they kind of move and, you know, evolved and the um, ecosystems that were kind of growing up around those. Because, you know, when you think of someone like Oregon, you don't necessarily think of deserts and, and dunes and things like that. So that kind of got him a bit interested on that side of things. But then I think along with the politics of the day, yeah, and this is the 1950s, it's the kind of communist scare stuff. It's all of the things that we have coming out of the second half of or what the back half of World War Two. And, and I think he wanted to tell a story uh, about charismatic leaders. That's how I've always seen mm. it described. It's about mm-hmm. some warning about charismatic leaders. So, you know, he kind of started working on it in the in the late 50s. And I he couldn't get it picked up. You know, no one would touch this thing because, you know, it's a science fiction fit book about deserts in space of thousands of year-old empires. Whereas if you look at the other science fiction books you were kind of getting at the time, you know, you're kind of still looking at your forbidden planets, your... Gordon's, your Buck Rogers. So it was, it was massively different from anything else, but I think someone picked it up. Uh, it was a, like the guy got Haynes manuals, but the U S version of Haynes manuals kind of decided to take a chance on it, gave him some money. And it became an absolute bestseller. So yeah. Mm. That theme of, you know,
0: the follies of, of fully going in on, on char- charismatic leaders, I think is, is definitely, that's definitely the thing that, that really pulled me in into the Dune series this you know, because I don't I don't trust, you know, the yeah. system. You can't trust the system, man. You know, it's definitely I think the uh what I'm hoping to see a lot more of in in Dune part two than, than we saw in David Lynch's Dune. Yeah, this this idea that like, you know, you have this this character who's being sort of, you know, massaged as as a as a messiah figure you know kind of enticing people in and then surprise surprise they turn into a complete and utter tyrant yeah I think it's uh, I find it very compelling the you know this idea of smashing a a system of control but the the mechanism of of doing that the mechanism of revolution kind of being a system of control in and of itself is definitely oh, I love that shit. Uh, big,
1: big ecology vibes as well. Um, and given, Herbert, the time this is, given the time this is being written as well, you know, the 50s and 60s, you know, decades ahead of his time.
0: Totally, totally. I've often heard Frank Herbert described as an old school conservative in many ways, um, but not in the term that we would use conservative today. Yeah. Less so much like back to old fashion values as it
1: is about like back to basics you know well, i, I uh, think i, I was gonna say speed of, it, i i think when you look at the setting of of doing you know, where it is it's a it's a future with a huge past it is effectively a a future where there are thousands of years of tradition and history to the point where things are spoken of as myth you know we keep hearing references to things like the Butlerian jihad you know there's an emperor who sends out decrees you know there's ancient houses it's a very feudal world which speaks to us of something with decades and centuries of tradition and that kind of feeds into this idea of conservatism where it's very much you know conservatism in my mind is very much the kind of the race to the status quo it's to keep shit the same because it's comfortable is what you know and at the beginning of june it's very much you know that is where they are you know they are maintaining this status quo and, and this tradition you know the emperor has is pitting the houses against one another for his own benefit, and you know ironically, you can see with the Harcolans they are they're the ones that kind of instigate a lot of this change by being dicks and trying to want to do it, but they're they're doing it in a way that is you know it's traditional. You know, you, you it's the red wedding, isn't it? Effectively, you invite the people over, have a nice party, I and mean, then you kill every motherfucker, and that's what the Harcolans are trying to do there. And it's only by Dint of Paul's mother, Lady Jessica, defying tradition, defying the Betty Jessica order, but it leads to the inciting incident which results results in uh, yeah uh, billions and billions of deaths, eh. yeah, pitting people against each other
0: with the aim of maintaining the status quo. could you imagine could you imagine something I'm of so outlandish as, as happening? Could you imagine on oh, a system so along with themes of power. And and ecology. Uh, you you had an episode of the Great Derelict podcast. You had an episode a little while ago discussing religion Ooh. in Star Trek. Over religion, one, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it wasn't Star Trek. It was uh, religion in science fiction. I think that one was. religious control over the masses is also a massive theme in Dune. You, you know, what what are your thoughts on religious control? The control of of Behavior and information and thought that, that
1: religious institutions have over the masses. Well, I mean, I, 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 what if, Jude if, has to say about it. If if we're talking specifically in June, because I mean, it, it, as far as questions go, with wide remits, and it's quite a big one. Uh, and, oh uh, God, yeah, I'm not really qualified to do that. But I, I I'll talk a little bit about it in June. In in a recurring theme, certainly in the first, actually in all of the Frank Herbert book, it is the use of religion to to control and to subvert. The populace. In, in June itself, the uh, the idea that Muad'Dib is a messiah, and I don't know if everyone picks up from this. If you watch the film, I don't know how. I, mean, I saw it because I've read the books, but I don't know how prevalent it is. If you haven't done that, but basically, the Bene Gesserit Order, in in decades and eons past, had basically seeded the beginnings of religious myths on every planet, on every world. Expressly so, if ever a member of the Bene Gesserit Order finds themselves struck or in trouble on this planet, they can tap into this mythology and be able to get help and support from the local populace. So they basically started weaving this idea of a savior who would come, who would lead the Fremen against the oppressors and, you know, bring about revolution and and jihad. It was all very vague and it, it was in such a way that, you know, if you knew what the stories were, you could come in and just Effectively just say, oh, I'm this person here. And this is this person here. It proves that I am the chosen one. And after the Harkonnens kind of banished Jessica and Paul out into the desert, their only way to survive is to connect with the Fremen. I mean, they were already trying to do that to raise the Fremen to fight the Emperor, but as they're, they tap into this. But what Paul realizes that Jessica perhaps doesn't is Paul realizes that once you start this ball rolling, once you start them on this path. It will become a thing on its own you, you will lose control of it you can't control it once you start it and you know even by then once you realize that you started it, it is kind of too late it's kind of taken all of itself so that's it that's in in, in june when we get into june messiah it's largely about paul trying to come to terms with the fact that he has put himself on a pedestal of become this messiah in which atrocities massacres and holocausts are being carried out in his name but he doesn't know how to stop it he can't find a way to to prevent it and in the end the way he does it is to effectively walk away he, he goes into the desert he kind of says fuck all this noise i'm out uh mic drop then we would get into children of june and then god emperor of june uh you have later over second who is less or curse with prescient he kind of knows he, he knows a future to a point and he, he well he can see many futures but he has picked a path that he thinks is the best for humanity to to continue to exist and basically uses religion through his fish speakers and you know he kind of custom he, he, he adapts the uh, evolution of his father and and kind of morphs it and molds it to drive people to, to a point and then leads them down what he describes as the golden path then you get to heretics and chapter house and then it just gets weird and i'm just not even going to attempt to kind of
0: well i mean that's what happened that's what happened in real life yeah like religious institutions have gone very weird especially now you know if you if you compare if you compare religion religious institutions as represented in dune to religious institutions in real life i think it's it's a pretty spot on analogy shit gets fucking weird in those books especially Shit's pretty fucking weird now.
1: But, uh, that's the last time I checked, we weren't all worshipping a massive giant sandworm hybrid with a collection of uh, dead goalers. I mean, if if we were, we would have the dead goalers as evidence. Fucking love
0: anything that sticks its finger up at uh, institutions, man. And it's the, it's the thing that I love about Dune, it's the thing I love about science fiction, in general, good science fiction, you know, in my mind, is, is is supposed to hold a mirror up to society and ask, you know. Is this? this, is this you? Is this? Are we cool with this? Is this what we're doing? Are we doing? De- is this what we're doing? Are we cool with this? Alright, if you're cool with it, then I guess I'm here too. That being said... How well do you think those themes were kind of represented in
1: Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 1? Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune Part 1. I mean, I, I, it's it's very hard to really judge Dune Part 1 against Dune the story because it's only half of the story. It sets a lot of the stuff up really, really well. And, mm. you know, I love the bit when Paul meets the Reverend Mother, the use of voice and, and the way of that that was kind of implemented. I love the visuals in the scene. You know, when the, uh, when the guy shows up, the Herald of a Change, I love that. I mean, that's not in the book, but I thought that was a really nice kind of way to kind of get that exposition across and, you know, kind of feeds further into this this, this sense. I, I think Daniel Villeneuve's adaptation is, is the best to date, both visually and narratively, that we've seen. But it is only half of it. Uh, you know, you have to ask me in November, once we've seen part two, if it sticks for landing, because I could tell you after the experience of, say, watching... Star Wars sequels, you know, I, I I think how it how it ends will inform your appreciation of how it starts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That being said, it's Daniel Villeneuve who has yet to steer me wrong, and yeah, all the pieces of the trailer looks as spectacular as as the um the, the first one did. So I have very high hopes.
0: Yes, my my thoughts on on the first Dune film, especially in terms of,
1: uh, I mean, like it was beautiful. Spectacular. I that, that music that music. I got oh, the CDR yeah. being played live at the um the O2 Arena in Verengel. Hans Zimmer does his uh live shows and in, in the in honor recently they do a lot of the Dune music in there including the Atreides March with the bagpipes and everything and it
0: was oh that was cool. It was cool. I love that one like just in, in the theater just like yeah. are those bagpipes. Those are bagpipes. Fuck yeah. sweet. <laughs> cool yeah the um you know obviously all, all of that was was epic i was hoping for i don't know less subtext more text what's what's the garth merengue subtext is for cowards uh, you know it's and like, i like i agree with you i think um judging Doom part one on its own it might it might be might be unfair you know when when doom part two and we can can you know hold it all up see it all together we'll see how how things set up in that first film sort of pay off and and i mean we obviously we know how it's gonna end but i, guess, I mean and i'm sure they'll stick the landing the ending of the of the da- david lynch film it ends very heroically which version yeah. oh well, we came to that but like <laughs> talking about like the, the- paul atreides is, you know he he declares himself emperor there's a big musical finish the rains come down they're all dead by the way, because of that, that you know, it it ends it on a big heroic finish, but that's not necessarily how it's supposed to end. And uh, you know, I uh, worry that that the the Hollywood of it all might might come come into play too much. And I'm um, I just I really hope that they that they outline strictly. Paul is the villain. Paul
1: yes. is the villain. Paul is not the villain at the end of Dune. Paul becomes the villain in Messiah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that you see, that's what I, I I think on you know, I think they will tweak things on Doom Part 2 a little bit because they've already said uh but oh what's his name? Abs. Abs for Days Duncan. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is in Dune Part Two. Now, do, he he shouldn't be in it unless it's some sort of flashback sequence. But if he is, maybe they're bringing forward the Golas, and, and a sense of some of that in, into part two. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if they maybe set some things up for Messiah a bit earlier, because when Frank Herbert wrote Dune originally, he didn't have Messiah ready to go. It wasn't like I'm... He wasn't planning to do it straight away. It was something which kind of came naturally out of it. So I imagine there will... I think it will probably end like the sci-fi miniseries does. I, I think it will end with Paul facing down Fade, killing him, the... The Navigators and the Bene Gesserit deposing the Emperor and declaring Paul as the, the new Emperor. And I, I think that is kind of where it will, will come to an end. I think if they then decide to go off to do Messiah, that's when you will see it. And I think if they were to do that, they will, once again looking at the sci-fi series and how they portrayed it. I think they will probably show Paul as less of a villain and more yeah. as a victim of circumstance. Just because I yeah. think it would be quite a tonal shift to to go from that to to that. Not Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the yeah, the the sci-fi series did kinda of tone that down a fair bit. That I I'm reminded of a line like right at the start of of the adaptation of Messiah where Paul is saying to someone like something like the power how does the lie with the rulers, our lies with the people and I'm just thinking to myself like that's that's I don't think that's from the book I'm fairly certain if that was a line from the book it would be like power lies where the people think it does because they're stupid and if we make them think that they have the power then we will actually have the power because people are stupid (laughs) but they they you know they needed they needed Paul to be a good guy in that and a good guy oh who knows Krav Maga that was in
1: that was it in, in <laughs> the early two thousands. Krav Maga, remember that? It, 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 it was very popular. Also, the costume uh, designs. The, the, the costume designs in that are a uh, an absolute choice.
0: <laughs> they, they they absolutely are. It's like um, uh, it's like all the all the best and worst Babylon Five. But like, let's let's run it through a fucking Jerry Anderson machine. Let's let's turn everything inside out and stick it on people's heads. Yeah, <laughs> outstanding. I love it. You just mentioned some stuff about like maybe doing a cheeky little bit of Dune Messiah, just a cheeky little Doom Messiah cherry on the top I, of Dune Part Two. It's too short. And as you said that, as you said that, something just like clicked in my head. We've got so let let's talk let's talk about let let's talk about the trailer. Okay. The trailer for Doom Part Two features quite a lot of Florence Pugh as Princess Irulan. Mm-hmm. a lot more than than she's actually like really in the narrative of dune but like obviously dune has you know in between all the chapters it has like excerpts from the the life and times of mordeb and, and the of Muad'Dib by princess right. Rwadi, yes exactly and like you know it was a it was a big moment for me when I was listening to the dune audiobook when it gets to like the second to last chapter or something and the excerpt that goes in between the chapters expressly refers to Muad'Dib as a as a you know, the, as a tyrant, as a as a as a fascist
1: galactic always thought death those, bit, bot. those bits are interesting, both in, in Dune but also throughout, because later on, when you get to God Emperor of Dune, the, the interludes in between that are archaeological readings of Leto's diaries from like thousands of years later. And I like the fact that it's framing a lot of what we're reading as the present through the lens of history and how things have been kind of dep- decoded and, and kind of extrapolated it. I mean, as far as the Princess Yuland goes, though, I think they'll probably do what they did in the 2000 series where they expanded her role quite a bit and they gave her a lot more agency because she's presented as someone who effectively uncovers the Emperor's and the Harkonnens' conspiracy to depose the, the Atreides, you know, because the Emperor is very much complicit yeah. in, in that. So I think, that's perhaps what they're going to do. I mean, again, you're not going to cast Florence Pugh just to have a shock at the very end and say, "Oh, no. okay, I'll marry him."
0: Yeah, and I mean, they would they would kind of have to. Otherwise, this this sucker has absolutely no chance whatsoever of passing the Bechdel test if they don't. Yeah, you know, definitely kind of got to got to give give her some work. But I'm wondering if uh, maybe we'll get like a a stinger at the end. You know, have that excerpt from from the. Paul Maudie was a was a bad bloke. But, I don't think you're gonna get. Any, I don't
1: think you're gonna get anything of that in this film. No, no cowards. It's not in the first Cowards. It's not. it. In the first... it, it, it is. It's in that little that little bit. That little
0: bit in between the chapters, and I feel like it's hinted at. Fair. It's hinted it's, at. It's, you know, like you say. You know, Herbert worked on the first Dune book for a long time, and and it shows because that things of fucking cinder block of a book and everyone loved it everyone thought it's such a wonderful wonderful exploration of the hero's journey joseph campbell loved dune joseph loved Camp- it so much he thought you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put laser swords in there yeah do you just have that ready to go <laughs> but yeah so joseph campbell fucking loved dune he was like it's a wonderful example of the stuff I've been, I've been, you know, I've been talking about for years. About the mythic structure of the hero's journey. And I feel like in a lot of ways, he kind of felt compelled to, to go further. Uh, and, and really kind of spell things out with, with Dune Messiah. Uh, and, and Joseph Campbell actually hated Dune Messiah. He, you know, he's like, you, you, you ruined, you ruined it. You, you were on a very good, you greatness. We were biscuits. Yeah, man. You were supposed to. DESTROY THE Sith, NOT BECOME ONE! Like, you know, (laughs) Joseph Campbell thought, like, you know, Dune Messiah just kind of smashed everything. Everything that Herbert said in subtext throughout Dune, he kind of goes, right, I don't think people are quite getting it. I'm gonna begin, you know, make it text in Dune Messiah. And, And fill this character with regret over having tricked everyone, both in the book and in the real world. I was, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about Dune most, most of the time. Oh, it seems like Massive of Curry, thank you. But I was, I I just recently listened to John Carter of Mars and like, there is this, you know, Dune is, it's a white, it's, it's a white saviour story. Yeah. You know, very much along the lines of, of John Carter of Mars, Avatar dances with wolves but i also think that like it's it's also a critique
1: of the the white savior story there's a there's a sort of i mean i i did an episode on dune uh, on the derelict a while back and, and we did touched upon a lot of that you know there's a lot of colonialism and white savioring going on there because you know you know port atreides is very much your european noble who who mm. is taken to this uh, savage land with primitive peoples And shows them, you know, the the way of the world (laughs) and and, and how to win and and, and leads them to this. But I think with, to certainly in the wider context, when you get into Messiah, it's not presented as a good thing. You know, it it is shown as being exploitive. It is shown, I mean, even in Jude itself, you know, they're they're, they're quite upfront with it. that He's doing it in an exploitative way. So I don't think it's really white saviorism in the sense of the author is saying, oh, look, this is, the white man coming to to save for more. I think he is very much saying that they are taking advantage and and uh, you know, abusing that position. Mm. Yeah, and he's he is pissed off about it. He's pissed yeah. off about about it throughout the whole story. It's
0: one of my favorite scenes in in the first Dune film when when he's you know, he's starting to you know, he's he's breathing in the spice, he's starting to get a bit of a reaction, his his prescience is is starting to emerge. And he's starting to see all these, the sort of tendrils that, that reach out and kind of reach towards him. He's, he's, he's pissed off about it. You know, he's angry. Why are you making me do this? Yeah. Uh, And yeah, it's, it's very much this kind of like, well, because you have to. Because if you don't, everyone you love is going to die and your father won't be avenged. But if you do, billions of people will die. But you have I think, cause I've, I've, I want this, because that's what the story
1: needs. I, I think it is interesting, though, in that while it starts off with Paul and Jessica just trying to survive, they just want the Fremen to take them off world, to once he realises and and discovers that his father's been killed with the Emperor's blessing, it then becomes vengeance. You know, Paul mm-hmm. very much goes from, we just need to do this, we just need to survive, to, I will end you all. I, and, and, you know, he, he literally threatens to bring down their civilization, you know, he, he, he says, You know, you will bow down before me or I will destroy the spice. Yeah. And yeah, the spice must flow. Yeah.
0: And, and it is, it's, and it's a total fucking badass move where it's like, I'm going to bring down our entire fucking galactic empire and I'm going to do it
1: from my back garden. Yeah. I'm going to do it from my house. Well, he, he, he doesn't care though. He, you know, he's yeah. very much like, I'm the king of this world. And I'll still be the king of this world if we do this and, and, and destroy it. But you guys, and and also let's be clear, they're only—they don't want to give up their positions of privilege and power. That's why the guild, the navigators, uh, the Beniges have all basically got to be emperor. Yeah, you're fucked. It's you know, it's, it's the buses the way of all tyrants. You know, eventually someone else comes along who can guarantee the stuff you want better than the other one does, and then all of a sudden you're out and you're it.
0: Yeah, we've been we've been getting quite deep. We've been One, two, getting deep, Dune, it's Dune, <laughs> but let's, let's get, let's get superficial. I'm gonna put some stills from the trailer up. We've got lovely, lovely Fade, right? So, Enough. we've, we've talked about, we've talked about Florence view as the Princess Irulan. Yeah. Um, what's this fucking cat's name? Fucking, what's it, the, the ki-
1: cat, the cat who played Elvis. Oh, I know, I know you mean I don't know his name
0: is, but yeah. We've got Elvis Presley as Bald fade ralpha what how did do, how does that make you feel first of all those shots in the trailer are fucking
1: gorgeous The uh, the black and white let me just what the new real nerd is 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 he really managed to kind of create such a visual style for every house when when you look yeah. at the harkonnens instantly you can tell that there are harkonnens instantly you could see the uh the atreides when you got to the sardau as well on salusa Secundus as well i mean you know all of that and, and the sound design as well with the uh the frog singing monk and all those people bloodletting and it's it's just a visual feast to uh to take in and and i, I mean and that's what the one thing i kind of took away from the uh from the trailer when i was watching that as well it's just when you see the little glimpses of like jessica in the the reverend mother garb from the fremen there, you know, I mean, I love the costume design in the first one, but I'm even more excited about it going into into the next one. The only thing I'm not sold on, and I don't see it in the trailer, but it was in the vision scene in the first one. Is when you see him has a vision of the future, and he kind of rocks out in what looks like a Power Ranger suit, Power Ranger still suit. I'm kind of hoping that yeah. that will be not what we see in the final.
0: I, I feel like so with with Paul's with Paul's powers, Paul's powers. Powers. The way I always, the way I always describe how Prescience works is, it's super Sherlock Holmes vision, because he's got, he's got the mentat training, he's got you know the training of of the computer brain, and he's got the mind expanding qualities of the spice. All the clues Yeah, all of his visions of the f- visions of the future. It's just, it's just the result of intense computation going on in his brain mm-hmm. and it's and it's just like the logical sort of it's it, he's he's very accurately predicting the logical outcome of everything that he knows about the, the galaxy and about his situation and about the people involved you know and that's why you do see his visions kind of changing throughout the film as as more information kind of goes in so I do think that that vision of the battle, where he's wearing a Power Ranger suit, is maybe more informed by what he thinks going into battle might look like, because all his, all his people at the time wear Power Ranger
1: suits. Yeah. So I, don't, have... I think, you see, one, one of the things you do get in the book, though, is he starts chasing the visions. You know, Paul starts... Deliberately taking more and more spice because he becomes more and more dependent on them, and they go from these glimpses that are, you know, potentially warnings, but they give him some advantage to the point where he becomes dependent upon them, and he, uh, especially after his uh, son is killed. Was the first kid called Leto? I think it was. He was also so- called Leto. Lato two. Yeah, so- Lato two one. one. I was going to say, 2.0 and 2.1, or... Yeah. But anyway, you know, after that, you know, he kind of throws himself into that. And then you also get with Jessica as well, when she kind of takes it in and we get the whole, Oh, Alia, Oh, that's going to be a fun one to see how they're going to depict that on her. Oh, I'm so excited about Alia! I really hope they show her, like, fucking stabbing people. Mm, If
0: if they're not cowards, they'll do it. And you mentioned Jessica. We have some shots of Jessica as full-on Reverend Mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely looking forward to seeing the Spice Agony. To, essentially, the spursology. The one thing that I was... I thought the first Dune film was, was lacking in... Was was being visually very weird. Like Like, I feel like Dune needs to be a lot more trippy, visually. It needs to be a lot more fucking... A lot more weird shit, visually, going on. Not quite full Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but... You know, I I don't I don't I, I,
1: I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think I think the first one does have the okay. So I, I think we need to qualify because obviously you've got the David Lynch film, which is it has a reputation, and, yeah. and and I think a lot of that reputation is down to the visual style and the visual choices which are done throughout there. Then you've also had quite recently really coming back into the public zeitgeist is the pre-production work that was done for Jordanovski's Dune film, and there's a fantastic documentary called Jordanovski's Dune where they basically go into that. And, I mean, you want to talk your back shit insane sort of visions of, of a film. That's kind of where it all starts. And, and I think what Daniel Villeneuve did is he managed to kind of imprint a lot of that pathos and, and that otherworldliness in there without resorting to going to those extremes. I mean, things like the Harkonnens, you can tell they're kind of really gross and disgusting and horrible without having all the boils and shit that you get in the day. Yeah, yeah they're,
0: they're, they're vile. They're taking baths. We did have a spider woman. I suppose that kind of makes up for for not milking cats, kind of. Yeah, I I don't know. I like I like weird stuff. I like things to be slightly. I like things to be unsettling. We did get seen with you know when Paul is when they're in the tent and he's and he's getting spiced up. He's he's be, he's becoming a a spicy boy. I'm not so much looking for like I say like fractal imagery as I am looking for some sort of more sort of cinema, cinematographic flourish. There was one shot, one shot in in uh, in the film, where it looks like it was filmed on like a video camera, a a video camera, a VHS camera. Um, Which one? Ah man, it's 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 hard to say. They're in the they're in the desert. Okay we the desert. <laughs> he starts seeing stuff, and and there is there is a shot of of the of the fight that he will have, and it looks like it's filmed from very far away, zoomed in, on a on a VHS camera. Um, and I was like, I I loved that shot so much, and it lasted for like two seconds. I want more of that. There was a cool shot with um with with Jessica where you see her with tattoos on her face and stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. As a vision, like I want, I want some more kind of like I'm thinking, like disjointed imagery. Basically, I'm 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 really looking forward to to the spice agony, to the to the water of life scenes. I'm really looking forward to uh,
1: to seeing some some. Cookie. I mean, it sounds like you just want to go and pop some acid and just go and watch.
0: I haven't done any drugs in a in a really long time. Like I'm so domesticated now, it's <laughs> like, not even any spice. <laughs> no, I haven't done any spice. Like it's. Yeah. let's look at some more stuff in the trailer. So, we we see the the kind of, uh, the you know, what, what you'd say, what's what's the word? Not an induction, a a rite of passage, in a way. We see Paul attempt to ride a sandworm. Ah, initiation, yes. Initiation, that's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Induction. So there's not another big one. Yeah. Uh, Your um, <laughs> So I don't know if you can remember having seen the trailer on the plane so it does it looks as though paul does not have the eyes of a bard in those scenes correct me if i'm wrong but i'm fairly certain when he rides a sandworm he's already like done spice a bunch he already has blue with Oh, if
1: if i remember correctly and i might be conflating the book with other adaptations but he only gets the eyes after he takes the water of life to give him the visions which is after that okay yeah I, i i think he doesn't get the blue eyes until then because Jessica doesn't get them until she takes the water of life as, as well. It takes years to get the blue eyes of constantly eating spice unless you ingest the water of life in, in effect because, you know, Raban was on Dune for years. He never got blue eyes. You know, I, I think it's the taking the water of life which does it for them anyway. I mean, again, in, in, in the book slash the other adaptations, him... Riding the Sandworm is kind of like the last step before he is fully accepted into the tribe as a legit feminine. And he put it off a long time because at that point it was expected that he would then go and fight Stilgar for the leadership of the C.H. And he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want to kill Stilgar. And, you know, he basically says, would you have me cut off my right arm right before battle? We're not going to do that. And that's when he declares himself he's not the, uh, I can't remember what the name is for the leader of the C.H. Uh, but he calls himself their Duke, and he kind of holds up the, um, the Ducal Signet and takes on the ship of House of But I th- I mean, the other thing you've got to remember is Trader's lie all the fucking time. And he might well have Traders blue eyes by this point. I mean, just haven't shown that effect, but... Eh. We see... But we do see him with the eyes of Ibad,
0: though, in that last shot. When he, when we see him kind of squaring up to Fade. fade. Ralpha. Who do you think will win? I'll tell you what, it'll be a fucking
1: shock if Fade wins.
0: Fuck okay, it, i will tell you what they're cowards. They'll never do it. <laughs> we see a pretty cool shot of uh of Paul sort of rallying his his Fadiken. Fadakin? Fadiken. for Fadiken. It's a Fugazi. It's a Fugazi.
1: I think that's the moment when he basically says, I'm I'm not just your I'm your Duke. I I think that is the moment after he comes back from riding the worm and you know declares himself as their duke mm-hmm. and we that that shot is kind of uh,
0: spliced in with shots of him having a barney with his mom we've all been there uh, you know saying you know you know she's telling him to to give the people hope and he's saying that's not hope presumably again sort of fighting back at this kind of thing that she's kind of forced him into you know presumably it was something like that's not hope that's just more systems of control man you're turning me into the man, man.
1: You're turning me into uh, into the genocide. And and he sees it coming. He knows what it will become. And she doesn't have a prescient, so she doesn't necessarily know. Oh, we see some gurney in the trailer, which is good. God, yeah, man. Yeah, it does look good. The scale. I'm,
0: I'm wondering if we're going to be treated to a nice, big Denis Villeneuve. Big scale sweeping shot of shitloads of stuff happening. It does scale very well. Like when you see when you see big things in a Denis Villeneuve movie, they look very big. They do. The arrival yeah. is the the obvious
1: one to to watch there.
0: Absolutely. Like it's easy for um for for a film you know that uses a lot of special effects for the uh, for a big thing to not quite look real. You know, it's it's a rare treat when a when a film can can do scale well. Uh, what else do we? I mean. Like for the most part, like the the trailer, I don't think gives us too much. It just kind of says, you know, this is this is what happened. These are the people. Florence Pugh's in it. Florence Pugh's in the movie. Everyone likes Florence Pugh on social media. Hmm. Uh, uh, we get we do see Baron Harkonnen. Um, we don't see Alia. My absolute favorite thing that is always left out. Uh, in 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 the in the Dune adaptations that we've had is in that last scene with with Aaliyah and Baron Harkonnen. How do you say that? What Harkonnen? Hark Harkonnen. See, oh. I listened I listened to recordings of of Herbert, and yeah. he said Harkonnen, and oh. I and I always try to, but Harkonnen I think just kind of I don't know. The Baron, Hark- Baron Harkonnen just sounds better But apparently it's Harkonnen
1: Whatever, I mean he wrote things <laughs> you Low-born Fremen might refer to him as Vath But it is Harkonnen
0: You know, Aaliyah, awesome Unsettling character, born with Generational memory And generational trauma <laughs> Generational trauma, <laughs> <laughs> are we all the, uh, There's a scene where You know, after, you know, when she's being held By by the Baron and And then the Fremen blast through they 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 fucking blow up the the walls of the the house and uh they start coming in and someone looks up and they just see Aaliyah running around stabbing people on the ground and that's where in the later book she gets the name Aaliyah of the knife again i really hope that they have it in them but i'm i'm worried that hollywood is too
1: cowardly to show a little girl stabbing a bunch. i i imagine if the studios had their way it would have just been a single film one part. I think Daniel Villeneuve was given a lot of latitude with this to make the <laughs> film you want. And true let's let's let us let us let us be fair. His films are not the most financially successful. They're not the blockbusters that these are very much prestige films for the studios. They they're making these because they want the award buds. They want people to look at those and and to go, Oh yes, that's 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 a wonderful work of art, isn't it? That's a that's, that's a fantastic uh, movie.
0: You yeah. know maybe Maybe if they want a film, if they if they wanna if they wanna produce a film and not a movie, maybe they will have an infant
1: stabbing a bunch of people. That's the kind of thing that films get prestige for. No, but I mean straight up, I think they probably will because I think that is. I, I think A, Binia Villeneuve will probably want to I- include that. But I think it's something when when you have the more prestige films, they like to show actors. You know, certainly you know younger or older kind of playing against tights and doing things. So I think you'll see. That, because it'll, it'll be a shocking moment, and then you get—I I mean, the only version which can really comes to mind right now isn't exactly high art. But in Kickass, when you had Hit Girl going around calling everyone, "See you next Tuesday," and, and you know, you can say it, you can does. say it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think it's 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 things like that. It, gen- it generates a bit of buzz, and I I imagine that you will see it. Oh, good. That that fills me with hope. That fills me with hope. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Do you think think the world is ready for a God Emperor of Dune movie? Oh, no. Okay, so I think if Daniel Villeneuve wants to make Dune Messiah, I think he'll be allowed to make Dune Messiah. Is he? I don't know. I I, I haven't heard Daniel Villeneuve say he wants to do Children of Dune or God Emperor of Dune, and I don't think he necessarily would want to do those. I think Daniel Villeneuve is quite interested in exploring that theme and, and the evolution of the innocent you know, kind of prince of the uh, you know, House of Threadies who witnesses, you know, all, all of this, who then becomes this messianic figure and who then leads the Fremen on, on Jihad and burns the galaxy. I think Daniel is quite interested in telling that story. I don't think he's much interested in telling anything after that. And if Daniel Villeneuve's not doing Children of June, I don't know how interested I am. Fair enough. Fair enough. Man, we'll
0: never see it. I'm not sure if the world's ready, because like... When, when you say, do, do you think they're not ready for Children of
1: Dune or for God Emperor of Dune?
0: I don't think the world, I don't think, I think that Hollywood
1: is too cowardly to make God Emperor of Dune. It would be very difficult to do, because the problem with all of these films, at least from the studio, you know, sensibility is... They want to make it so that you can just pick it up at any point, because they, they're really hesitant to make something where you've got to have watched three or four things to get to it, and... God Emperor of Dune is, I, I think it's like 6,000 years after Dune. It's like three and a half, three and a, and a half thousand. But there's there's a bit of a gap, as I said on the podcast, there's a bit of a gap. And, you know, the only real returning characters are a version of The God Emperor, Late Over Second, and so, so many, so many Duncans, all of the Duncans. Duncans coming out of the wazoo. I will say this, though, compared to the following books, Chapter House Dune and uh, Hunters of Dune, God Emperor of Dune is a fucking masterpiece.
0: Yes. Like yeah, the um, the, the series like, I, like the series I think like if you take those first four Dune books like that is a boom, that is a closed that's a closed circuit right there. That is a there's a beginning, two middles and an end.
1: I would counter I would I would say the first three is a strong, really strong trilogy, you know, Dune Dune Messiah, Children of Dune. Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of have that as well. God Info of Dune is kind of a weird side call, pick pickup later, you know, 3,000 years later. It, it's more, you know, what it, it's like Matrix Resurrections, basically. It's like you had the trilogy and then someone's come back later on and said, and here's another thing that happened. And if you like it, it's great, it's awesome. If you don't like it, you could probably just go around your day pretending it never happened. Mm. See, I like, see, it's,
0: it's where. With God Improved Dune, it's where I, I think you kind of see the um, this kind of, the kind of fractal nature of Dune. Of the is it where you perhaps see a path, golden in oh, it's with golden path, just yeah, just yeah. just a fucking just recurring on itself, and you know it's it's where it reaches its it's definitely where it reaches its most introspective. You know, you spend the whole book, you know, well most of the book. In the head of Leto, just pondering things, just waiting for someone to kill him, and just daring them to do it. Throughout the whole book he's saying, like, this, all of all, all of everything, everything that Muad'Dib did, ev- everything that I've done, it is all leading up to this. I'm just waiting for one of you fucking idiots to actually pull the fucking trigger. Just, come on, this is what it's all been leading up to. Someone, for the love of God, please kill me. We're talking- And it is a Hollywood thing. Who are they gonna have
1: play Leto 2? Some young, beautiful- It'll be Christian Bale, who will go method and- A thousand towns to play the, uh- emperor. The well,
0: well, no, like, you know, for- For Children of Dune, they'll have some beautiful people. That's what they do. They get beautiful people. I feel like the studio probably is already
1: like, Ugh, About having beautiful people turn into Space Hitler. I, okay, so I think they could do- god emperor of june i don't know if they would do it as a cinematic release and a, and a big feature thing but it's got a couple of things going for it another one it does have name recognition in a lot of people know god emperor of june and the name is very compelling like you hear god emperor of june you kind of yeah. want to know what that is and depending on what they go with the poster of the covers i mean some of those you seeing that image of the the hybrid leto Sand were because it, it's it's very compelling and draws you in. I think a lot of the core cool themes would potentially translate well, and and there might well be someone who wants to do it. I think it's more likely to find a home on a prestige streaming service once they finish, you know, fighting over themselves over who's got the rights to, to what have you. But just going back to what I was alluding to earlier, I I think while I don't think it's likely we're going to see God Emperor of June, I think it's possible. But I guarantee you, never ever ever in a billion years will you see either Hunters or Chapter House Dune made into any kind of live-action adaptation, because that shit be crazy. So It's I, crazy. I, it's, it's crazy, but... Uh... It's not, it's crazy, it's not great, and it's...
0: The ending of Chapter House is so open-ended that the temptation to then adapt the Brian Herbert books... <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't think you'll see any of those last ones. I think you could do it. I just don't think we're going to see it. It depends on having a director with a vision who wants to commit to making it. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but I'm quite excited for Dune 2. Tune. I've Dune
1: 2? It, it should be coming out in June.
0: Oh, man, I have just... I wonder how many times Tune has been uttered in reference. We've both got better things to be doing than this. So we're going <laughs> to... We're going to... We're going <laughs> to... I have nothing. So we'll 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 bring we'll we'll bring this to a close. I'm so fucking excited, honestly. If uh, are there any kind of tangential Dune related things that you would recommend for people to check out? Um, I just want to definitely. There is a podcast series. The last podcast on the left do occasional series called the LPN Deep Dives. If anyone wants to like want a crash course to catch themselves up with all all of. Frank Herbert's Dune books definitely check out the LPN deep dives on the Dune series they're very funny and um, definitely check out what was
1: how long ago did you do your episode on Dune it was during the pandemic so it was quite a while it was i think it was when the first trailer for but the new Villeneuve one dropped because we were excited about that so that that was quite a while ago that uh, there's a a YouTube series i think it was called Alt Shift X. A series of essay videos on Dune, including comparisons between the books and the movies. There's also uh, a channel called Quinn's Ideas, who does really deep dives into Dune lore, and it, it goes way beyond and, and even further than I've ever touched upon. Because you know, as I said, I've done the Frank Herbert books. By the time I got to the end of the Frank, when I read uh, Chapter House, which I think is the last one, I was so kind of disillusioned. I just went and read what the official sequel is read the synopsis and i was like yeah Val, i don't need to read that and i just checked out because heretics in chapter house tune are not my favorite i respect what he was trying to do with those uh, I, I always respect uh, author's intent but they're not for me like yourself i'll take i'll take the first ball package it up in a little bow and i'm i'm, I'm kind of good with that it, it's a nice one uh, but what I think is really interesting and I think people should do is, and, and this is at you, Mike. you listening, Mike, because you listen to your own podcast, don't you? Mike, yeah. uh, Mike, don't finish reading that fucking book. Mike hasn't yeah. finished reading Dune yet. Don't do anything until you finish reading that friggin' book. But let me, let me tell you why. The thing is, Dune is literally in everything. Anything science fiction since 1963 has Dune in it. And i'm not just talking star wars with his desert planet it's an alien in the in the worn-out universe and in the the uh the design of of the alien now, a lot of the designs uh the giga came up with he originally came up with for the judaski series a lot of things in terminator of skynet uh, come out of some of the talkings about uh the the butnerian jihad and the thinking machines that you get in there. you see it in star trek in in the vulcan philosophy and a lot of the vulcan ideas there is Dune is a, and I think this is why, you know, Dune is worth talking about. Is it very much at the core of modern science fiction? You know, it, it is very much for grandfather of the linchpin. People who say Star Wars is, it's like, yeah, Star Wars is watered down Dune. You know, Dune is what <laughs> is everywhere. And, yeah, you know, through osmosis, you know, Star Wars has kind of got into the zeitgeist. But you absolutely should do it. And, and yeah, the audiobook's a fantastic way to do it. If, if not that, then the Neil Villeneuve film is, is great. And if you can get by the cheesy effects because you know it was done on a TV budget the sci-fi series is actually really good i really like, it's not bad it's not bad it's not I, I it's i mean it's not good but it's not the worst thing in the world the way i look at it is it's it's what it is is it's a stage play that's been filmed yeah. because it, it it has that feeling about it and you you look you can see it in places where you can kind of see the curtains to the really the desert hanging up in the background but if you think of it more as a stage play than as a film the music in it's great the acting in it is is really good as well it is solid. So if you just want to kinda of get a quick cliff notes version of Dune, to do those. There's plenty of ways to digest it. But, but in if you wanna go
0: back and watch the um David Lynch Dune, it the the best version of it that I have found is on YouTube. And it is three hours long and it it is it's the it's the Dune Redux, the Spice Diver fan edit. Someone took all the deleted scenes they could find. Cleaned them up and edited them. Clearly, a fan of David Lynch tried to make it as David Lynchy as he could. It
1: is, it's the best version of Dune in my opinion. Well, I, it's on YouTube. You, you and I, you and I will disagree on that. I, I will say this. I will say, if you're a fan of David Lynch films and that sort of thing, then absolutely check it out and watch it. But if you are on the fence about Dune, do not, do not start with that film. It's, it's worth going to when you're on board with Dune. Don't start with it.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Might be a bit overwhelming.
1: It's three hours long. <laughs> this version. Three hours long. The- Backshit. David Lynchianism, sir. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So
0: usually when we when we sign off on the podcast, we say live long and prosper, motherfuckers. And Mike says and and peace and long life, double dumbasses. But. Uh, I guess. my knife chip and shatter. Yeah, sort of. Like, yeah, you, you, you do that one. I'll, I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll do the classic. Uh, fear is the mind killer. You son of a
1: bitch. Well, okay, then. But... I don't know why I still did. Do... My knife chip and shatter, or lightsaber, as it were.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nice one. Thank you, everybody. See you later.